so much, Todd. Well, I'm starting my stopwatch, people. It's a new year. I said I'd do it. I am going to keep these sermons really well-contained, tame, and timely. So my name is James, one of the team members at the River Church, and we're in a series talking about church. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to entitle this sermon, Preaching to the Choir. Let me think about this for a second. I'm talking about church to a group of people who have gathered for church. That is, they, I'm glad that that was funny to some of you, because that is funny. That's hilarious, actually. It's, y'all need to be at church more. Y'all need to be getting into church more. What's your, and it's like, well, they're here. So, like, maybe go knock on some doors and be that guy with a blowhorn or something, bullhorn. But you're here, and yet we're talking about church. Now, there, is very, there are very few topics that I care more about in the world of ideas, in the world of society, in the world of history or theology, there are very few topics I care more about than this topic of church. Theologians call it ecclesiology. It's what is this thing? Y'all are here. Maybe many of you come here a lot and you gather a lot, but let's take a minute and just ask, what is this thing? If you are any coffee connoisseurs here? Coffee connoisseurs, right? Okay, we have a few in the back there. Coffee, okay, coffee. I, don't, I won't say snobs. I'll say connoisseurs, right? Like, coffee I used to think was just coffee. It's a, it's a cup of coffee. Folgers, unscrew that plastic top and drink it and, it. and the coffee connoisseurs would cringe and say, oh, how dare you? Like, coffee. If you ever talk to someone that knows their coffee, my wife loves cute coffee shops cute coffee shops. So forever in downtown, I'm going to a cute coffee shop. And she loves it. And you stand in line and you watch them. First of all, it's like passing an entrance exam or an oral examination to just order your coffee, right? Like I want a large, uh, where would you like the beans grown on the sunny side of the slope or on the shaded side? We have Colombian, we have Hawaiian, we actually have, and you're like, I, I just want a coffee. You watch them make it and pour it, and they pour it over right, and they talk to it, they read it poems, like, oh my beautiful coffee drops. Like, it's a whole thing. There's a universe behind it, actually. And some of, some of us, we just, we've seen church on, in movies, we've maybe grown up going to church, being a part of a church, and it's like, that's church. It's just church. And so, right now, you're looking at it like a, a church connoisseur, Right? This is sort of my thing. And not because I have all the answers, but because I'm wildly fascinated. I grew up, I was a pastor's kid. Any pastor's kids out there? Yeah, oh, dang. Okay, well, two. That's not that great. Um, and so I grew up in the church. I was a youth pastor and a pastor. I studied biblical studies. I, I got my PhD in, in ancient Christianity from UCLA. Sorry, USC people. I love you still. I think about it. I write about it. I'm a professor full-time that trains students that are going to be functioning and living and serving in churches. It's like a thing for me. It's a whole deal. And I will tell you this much. There is more written on church leadership. If you go in at a, at a church conference, and there's a lot of those, there's multiple conferences you could go to. You could sit down, go into the lobby, and look at the library. There are books on books on books about 
church? What is it? How does it work? And there's always new podcasts and always new methodologies and ideas and strategies. There's just so much. It's kind of embarrassing. It's hilarious a little bit. And so one of my biggest passions with my students and with all of us is like, let's go back to the primary sources. Let's go back to the ancient world and ask the question, what is church, what does it look like, and what is it doing? And that's what this whole series we're trying to do together. Now, I just got off of a sabbatical from my university, Biola University. I'm going back. I caught COVID. That was fun. I'm totally clear now, just in case you're worried. No, a while ago. And so I haven't been in a classroom physically since March of 2020. All right? Now, a professor that's not in a classroom it is not a good combination. My prayers at dinner time are getting really lengthy and they have like sub points and PowerPoint slides. All right, kids, sit on down. This next slide, grab these notes. Like I want this morning and to be a, I'm gonna just do it, who cares? It's gonna be a little more interactive. I'm gonna be asking you questions, okay? So you didn't know it, but you showed up to one of my classes. Too bad for you, the exits are everywhere, okay? And I just wanna do this. I wanna read two passages, dos. Zwei, du. Any other twos? Me? Sam? Okay, we're just trying to cover our bases, people. Two passages. I'm going to read one. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And then I'm going to read another one. I'm going to ask some questions. So I titled this Preaching to the Choir, subtitle The Caravan of Love. The Caravan of Love. I love that one. I want a t-shirt. The Caravan of Love. Where does Jesus following happen? If you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus, you're curious about Jesus, you thought that this we're giving away t-shirts or something, you're not sure, you showed up. I'm going to talk today about what or where following Jesus happens. First passage, you can turn there if you want, or you can listen in the way your ancient ancestors in the faith encountered this letter. It is a letter written by Paul of Tarsus to a bunch of communities in Rome, the big city, the big apple of the ancient Mediterranean world. And he writes to these churches they don't have the same language as us. They don't have the same technologies and definitely not the same culture in many ways. But these are human beings with beating hearts and dreams and hopes and fears and disappointments and frustrations and worries and ideas. And he writes this letter to these people that have chosen to leave a life of, for many of them, worshiping an array of deities to just being loyal and worshiping the God of creation, Jesus Christ, his son. And he says this in Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read, and it is a 13 verse, as it's been divided up in modern times, 13 verse passage. So sit back, relax, get a little sun, some vitamin D. It's good for all of us. And I'm going to read this. Therefore, I urge you siblings... Brothers and sisters, Adelphoi, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, if you're new here, you're like, oh no, this is where it happens. This is where it gets weird. Run. 
Keep listening. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, set apart, and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So a, a life given over to thriving in God is, is actual worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, perfect will. Pause for a second. How many of you would like to know God's will for your life? The hands are flying up. Oh my goodness, look at that. Okay, like God, what is your will for my life? That is an existential question. That is kind of the question. I don't care if you are in third grade, ninth grade, freshman in college, or you're looking down the barrels, your next step is retirement. You're asking that question, like, what's your will for my life? I have students come into office hours and almost every third student that comes in, it is some sense of, I'm just struggling. Like, what, what does God want me to do? What is your will for my life? This is profound, crazy, transcendent wisdom, at least being claimed here. That there is this means by which you begin to discover God's will for your life. Now, that's a massive claim. Don't let that just blow past you. Oh, yeah. This is a weird statement here. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. And that's a great place to stop and make the t-shirt or make the camp logo or etch it on the side of a building. That's a great passage, but it goes on. The letter is continuing. Our, the audience first hearing this, they just heard it all the way through and listen to what it continues. For by the grace given me, I say to each one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but think of yourselves with sober judgment. Don't be self-important. Don't take yourself too seriously. Please, Christians, people with carrying the name of Jesus around, please stop taking yourself so darn seriously. You really are not that important to the universe that you think you are. You're not the center of it all. Okay, that's not, I added a few words there. But it's a good reminder, James, stop taking yourself so darn seriously. You want to know what God's will is? You want to be transformed? Stop taking yourself so darn seriously. For just as, he says this, um, but rather in accordance with the faith God's given to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, we actually form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. Do you feel your individualism recoiling, recoiling a little bit at that one? Your kind of rebel America spirit just kind of starts going, no, I don't like that. This is my stuff. It's my stuff, my life, my world, my things. Don't mess with it. 
I'm doing a lot of voice impressions today. I'm not even sure where it's drifting. It's just, it's kind of ambiguously Southern. Okay. No offense to the South. I'm Southern Californian. I love the South. So the, the individualism that many of us have somewhere, a little parrot on our shoulder saying, God, what's your will for me, my life, little old me and you, my journey, my solo voyage through this life. God, what's your will for me? God, what do you want from my stuff? What are you going to do about my portfolio, my job, my career, my relationships, my heartbreak, my, my, my? Great question. Let's be real. We're all asking it. If you're not asking it, you're not human, and you're certainly probably not from the modern West. But here, suddenly, Paul says, each member of this thing we call the body belongs to each other. We have different graces or gifts, different opportunities to bring grace, different gifts given from God according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, that is forth telling, that is speaking truth to power, that is speaking truth in love, if you're the kind of person that God has just sort of wired and set up to just say what other people know they should probably say but are afraid to and you say, hey, what's going on with this? Or if you're the kind of person that sees a discouraged individual and walks up to them and says, you are so loved by God. And I don't know what you're going through and if you want to share it, I'm here. But I want you to hear this right now. You are valuable and he sees you and you are not missed and you matter to me and this community. If that's your wiring, Paul says, then do that in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. Behind the camera, looking at Ron, this dude is down here like zero dark 30 in the freezing cold blizzards, setting up, testing with patience and calm and skill. Why? Because this man is like a machine of service. A yoked machine of service, I might add. He serves. He loves it. And he does it. And he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't, before we preach, hey, James, could you slip me into the sermon somewhere? Just, you know, a little illustration maybe, right? This is how, who he is. It's his DNA. He couldn't sit there watching a problem unfold and just do nothing about it. If the trash can knocked over, he'd be the first guy to be like, let's take care of that real quick. Why? His heart's to serve. It's who you are. Him and Debbie went up to Hume Lake when half the camp got the plague and ended up helping out for hour upon hour upon hour with a broken down But If I was him, I'd be like, hey, guys, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for this bus. Lord, get this bus started. All right, see you guys. I got to go. I'm going to go get some coffee at a cute coffee shop, right? Instead, he sits there and he, he digs in and he and Debbie end up getting COVID after that. <laughs> the gnarly one, not that Omicron stuff, right? And it's like, man, why? Because it's his gift. It's what he does. So he's functioning in his natural habitat. His locomotion is service. And so he's just doing it. He's not talking about it. He's doing it. If it's teaching, then teach. Okay, check that box. I'm doing it right now. Good. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. There are people in this church, sneaky little givers, sneaky little givers that write checks that I know are sacrificial for people involved in ministries and parts of life going through hardship. There are people that just do that. Their hands are so open 
with stuff. When I don't know about you, but when Bill was talking about fear, you know, what's the fear that's gripping your heart? So often that fear is like, will there be enough? My precious money, my precious. There's a Gollum impression, right? And there are people here that just open it up and go, forget that. Here's some money. Here's, here's, some, here's some stuff. God dumped it into my lap. I'm dumping it out. That's my, and I'm a router of blessing. God blesses and I'm blessing back. There are people like that. And Paul says, if that's your deal, go for it. Full throttle. Open it up. If it's giving, to give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. A strange passage to translate, won't get into it. If it's giving, give generously, lead diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love, the key ingredient to this whole thing we call church. Love must be sincere. Stay away from evil. No, that's not what it says. It says actually hate what is evil. No, it doesn't say hate who is evil. Don't walk around with your label gun that says evil, 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 evil. Good. But rather hate when you see rebellion and gossip and bitterness and cynicism and selfishness. When you see it appear, you should be like, gosh, I don't want anything to do with that. I hate that stuff. Like sand in my shoes. I hate it. But I love Love what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in Philadelphia. Great city, great Greek term. Literally, it's a quality of love. It's a, it's a sibling love that pa Todd talked about last week. This is a great line. Written to a honor-conscious society in the capital of the honor-conscious empire of Rome where being cool and notable and standing out from the pack and honor is all in all, he writes this to this community. Outdo one another in giving honor. That is a radical statement. Take one of my classes, we'll unpack it. But our goal when we sit down is not to say how can the spotlight turn to me a little bit more in the grounded group, how can I get a little more attention for myself? Again, that doesn't mean care. Obviously, we want care. We want to be heard and seen. But when we're looking, grabbing for the microphone, grabbing for the spotlight, and Paul says, no, actually, make it your ambition. Be super competitive about giving honor away, about being the first person to say, wow, that was incredible. And I'm not just fishing for like good sermon compliments here. Please don't direct it at me. But truly, making it your ambition to honor other people. How can I do that? And you read the end of Romans, Paul does it like crazy. Read the end of most of his letters. He spends a lot of time and ink and money, because it costs a lot to write these things, to just say thank you to people and honor them. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Stop being so darn proud. But be willing to associate pe with people of low position. Don't be conceited. I mean, it goes on. Here's what I want to ask you. Can you do any of these things alone? 
if I was to put them all on a whiteboard behind me and we just wrote out each thing you mentioned and say, circle each of the things you could do here by yourself. There's maybe a couple. Almost all of them presuppose that you are blessedly involved in a community. You have plopped into a community. You're swimming around in that community. I taught surf lessons in, when I was in college and, um, and I've taught a bunch of other people to surf, my kiddo, kiddos to surf. I've taught a lot of friends and people that just wanted to surf. I love teaching people how to surf. If you wanna learn how to surf, come talk to me. I'll take you out, it'll be so much fun. I love it. Though key in my heart and my minor expertise in teaching people to surf, the key is so simple. Get them a board that's gonna work for them and get them in the water. And if they're a kid, make sure they have a wetsuit and they get warm. If they're cold, they will not learn, they'll hate it. Okay, so it's just get them in the water. Just get them out there with it. Get them in the water, push them into some waves. When you see a surf instructor, and I'm not bashing on anyone in particular, but you see a surf instructor probably getting paid 100 bucks an hour on the beach with a group of people, and they're standing on boards for like 20 minutes. All right now, all right now, pop up. Let's practice the pop up. Pop up, pop up. All I see is they're going tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, right? Making some money. Why? Because get them in the water. Get them out there, and, and that's how surfing starts. Right, Cannon? He gets what I'm talking about. Just got to get in the water. You could frolic. You could practice on the sand. You could watch surf videos. You can go snowboarding. That's not like surfing. It's like sliding down a mountain. It's cold. It's dangerous. You can go wakeboarding. That's like being dragged behind a boat. It's cold and scary. Or just go in the water and surf. But you got to just get out there. And I think this whole passage, and the point I'm trying to make is, Following Jesus, you just got to jump in the water of the community. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Because if that's true, think to yourself for a second. I'm going to give you a moment of reflection. We'll try it a bunch of different ways. What stops us from jumping in? I don't mean from coming to church. Y'all surmounted those barriers. I'm talking about going that next step of kind of knowing and being known by a community. Doesn't mean, by the way, not having boundaries. Doesn't mean being silly and, and reckless with your personal things. But you know what I'm saying, taking that step a little bit deeper into a community where you say, I'm going from hanging out to commitment. I'm here, I'm part of this family. And I'm here to serve and commit and care and love and encourage. What stops us from taking that step into church. So think about that for like 15 seconds or 20 seconds, 30 seconds. We'll let the waves sing to us. All right, let's just, um, maybe for 30 seconds here, a minute, just someone near you maybe kind of lean over and if you're like, I didn't come here to share, I didn't come here to talk, I came to just sit, just like, you know, pretend like you're praying or something. But just for a few seconds, maybe just talk to someone next to you and maybe give some brainstorm a little bit. Maybe it's not what stops you if you don't wanna share that, but what stops people and maybe what stops you from getting a little bit deeper in community. Look at that pot of dolphins modeling for us life and community, people.
So talk to someone for a second. Just go ahead. What stops us? What holds us back? We'll go about like 30 more seconds. So what'd you hear? This doesn't mean what it maybe what are you thinking, but what'd you hear in your conversation? And just belt it out. Like maybe you could slip your hand up and belt it out. It takes a little bit of a risk to overcome, but if you hear your voice in a community, it makes you all the more participatory as the semester continues, I found. So what 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 are some things? Let's let's kind of look over here for a second. What stops us? Let's be real. What are the things that stop churches, stop us from getting involved and going to the next level? of knowing and being known. Anyone have any ideas? Fear of commitment. Yeah, it's like totally the fear of commitment. If I say yes to this community, I'm saying no to other things or maybe it's gonna get side, go sideways on me or I don't know. Fear of commitment, that's a good one, right? Fear of commitment. Let's go. Disappointment or rejection. By a show of hands, how many of you had something like that? Disappointment or rejection? Oh, totally. All right, this is gonna be a risky one. By a showing of hands, how many of you have been disappointed by a church or church community in your life? Just put your hands up, just look around real quickly. And my hands up, not just to show you to raise your hands, I have two. Right, you can put your hands down if you want. Or leave them up and protest the entire service. <laughs> ah, me! I have, I have been deeply disappointed and I have probably disappointed in my time. All right, what are some other things? Some other things that will stop us. Let's go over here for a minute. Self-consciousness. How will I be perceived? Is it, you know, I got to kind of put myself out there. Self-consciousness. Good. What else? What are some other things that stop us? Pride. It isn't a, it isn't a coincidence that pride is brought up like 50 times when Paul talks about love and community. Stop, the pride has got to go because it will stop community. Jason. Oh, yeah. I have a good one. It's called boundaries in someone's uh, neighbors. And so that's what, you know, it creates. So let's say you jump in what James talks about. It means that you have a wall, okay, you have a wall, and then you jump in someone's property. And that is common problems with people that you have to understand. When they say the word, I love you, or something, you know, it doesn't mean anything. It just means you jump in someone's property. For example, like when you get married, for example, 
um, not in a church, but you know what I'm talking about. When they leave in their relationships or intimate relationships, they have to jump in for the next future, right? I like it. Yeah, so like dolphins you can see in the beach, a beautiful South Bay, you never seen it before. When you jump in the water, it means you'll be underneath the underneath the ocean. So I like to thank James. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Oh, man, thank you so much, Jason. That was so, dude. Look at that. It's so true. Like there is a there is a risk in the jump in. Like, am I gonna seem too intrusive? Do they feel the same way about? Does this community feel the same way about me that I feel about them? What if I jump in and I'm a little vulnerable and I'm like, whoa, 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 okay, hold on, save it for the therapist, right? Like, what if that happens? That will devastate me. And it does happen sometimes. I got stories. Anyone else, what else stops us? I heard something, someone yell it out if you heard. Passive, being, <laughs> I just hear what I wanna hear. Gossip, this is a poison. Gossip really is a poison and it's a tasty morsel. Because when we gossip, we feel really good about ourselves. Because what are you doing? You're essentially going, these people, that person, and it bonds you to whoever you're gossiping with. Let's be real, it has a function. Gossip has a function. You feel close to that person because if we're gossiping together, we're safe. Because we got a common person that we can bash on. Gossip is so poisonous and it will truly rot a church from the inside out. And if you know that there's a community of gossip, that's the last thing you want to jump into. Okay, I want to, one more thing. I want to read one more passage. And while I read this, I want you to think of a person in your life with whom you feel fully safe, cared for, without mixed motivation. I want you to think of a person now, because it might be a little hard to think of a community, but a person in your life that you can go to or be with, and when you're with them, you genuinely feel like there is no mixed motivation in this person's heart. They really care about me. They truly do. And I feel really safe. Think about that person for a minute. Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, verse 5, You know we never used flattery with you, community, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. This church thing we did was not about money. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Although as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. And this is a great line. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Why? Because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not just the gospel of God, but our lives as well. When you watch a, a mother with a child, a newborn child, you are seeing no mixed motivation there when that mom smiles and holds that baby. And this is the metaphor Paul uses for a healthy church community and healthy leadership in that community. Okay, so that person you thought about, what are some of the attributes of that person? Let's hear a few. What are some attributes of the person with whom you feel fully safe, loved, accepted, and cared for? What are some attributes of that person? Anyone? Honesty. You know that it's on an iceberg comment. There's not a whole world underneath it. 
that they're hiding and trying to just say something. They're telling you truth. What else? Trustworthy. Is that what you said? Trustworthy? Trustworthy. Kindness, I hear that. Kindness. A genuine, like there's not a sharp edge. There's just a kindness there. These are good. What else? Belt them out. In relationship with God, so this person for you is, is connected to the source of love and creativity and, and the creator. Good. Compassionate. Devotion. I heard someone say devotion. Devotion. What else? What are some attributes of these people? You all know them. Say that again. Selfless. Selfless. They're really not there going, what am I going to get out of this conversation? What, when's my ask going to come? But it's like, I'm here for you. I'm, we're, we're together. What else? Non-judgmental. Boom. Oh my gosh. Stop right there. Gives me goosebumps. Non-judgmental. I don't want to go near someone. I don't want to share a darn thing with them that's vulnerable and real if there's even a chance they're going to come back to me with a, whoa, you know, should read your Bible a little more. Dang, clean up your act, sinner. When judgment shows up, it, it's like water on fire of community. It just shuts it down. Thank you for sharing that. What else? Some other ones. What are these people like, Jason? Don't be sneaky. Yeah, sneaky manipulation. That's the opposite of the kind of person that we feel low. Any others? Integrity. Integrity. They are who they are when you're with them and when you're not with them. What else? This person for you. Speak well about other people. The opposite of gossip. When you're with them, you, if you are in a bad place and you kind of want to gossip a little, it is the last route you're taking. I'm not doing it with this person. They are not interested. They will look at me like, well, let's pray for that person then. Let's encourage them. Like, Wait, no, I want to gossip about them. No, they're not playing that game. I agree with you. Any others? Humble. Practicing forgiveness. Practicing forgiveness. I don't know about y'all, but in, in the world we live in today, if we want to be not conformed to the world, but transformed, I don't know that the world today is really interested in a lot of forgiveness. I think it's a lot more condemnation, hall monitors waiting to get you. And if you say, I'm screwed up, I'm so sorry. It's like, well, goodbye. The practice of forgiveness is a radical thing. If you've ever experienced it, you ever screwed up, and hurt someone and came to them and said, I'm sorry. And they say, look me in the eyes. I forgive you. That will set you free like you could not imagine. Any others? A couple more. They don't let you take yourself too seriously. When I sit with Ed Lasseter, who's a legend, if you know Ed Lasseter, he's one of my safe people for sure. And this guy's in his, you know, 80s and just a legend. I sit with Ed Lasseter and I share with him some stuff. I'm oh man, I just I don't know about this. And he laughs. But he doesn't laugh in a way like, oh you dork. He laughs like like that sense of I've been there. I know. Like it's so it's like and, it, and you suddenly go, oh yeah. There's a jolliness to God. There's a, a softness to our creator. There's a beauty. That's good. One more. 
wisdom. There's a person that you really think there is a fountain of truth and wisdom in them, and you trust what they say. Okay, so here's how I'm closing this sermon. Like, what if that's what we focused on as a church? Like, that's not, not gimmicks, not strategies that are going to make us, you know, make the service really pop, which is fun, fine to do. But what if we just go, let's just literally focus on being that kind of a person, a body, that when people come in and around our atmosphere, there's a sense of like, gosh, I don't feel judged. But there's wisdom and truth speaking there. There's a kindness. Gossip goes there to die. It is the death pit for gossip. It just goes into a black hole and never comes out in that community. And on and on and on. I would postulate this. Let, let me recommend this to you. If we did just that, it doesn't matter if we had the most expensive building, equipment, it doesn't matter if our pastors are the most eloquent preachers and the worship is the best it could ever be. It doesn't matter if we could do dolphin baptisms every week. None of that would matter. None of that would be important if we just actually were imperfectly, but were living out these things together. It'd be a beautiful place, and it's a church that I, I, I really believe God is calling us to, and, and I think we want that. And I think the world needs that more than another message or post or book on church. So let me pray. Lord, thanks for this time. Thanks for a chance to open up ancient wisdom and reflect on timeless truths that we need more now than ever. And I need more now than ever. Thank you for this community that has been a safe place for me. Thank you for this community that has shown me grace and mercy and generosity and truth and honesty. Lord, we don't want to be fake. We don't want to be double motivated. We don't want to be duplicitous. We don't want to be a gossip place. We don't want to be about showiness and slick theology. We want to be about being the body of Christ, devoted to one another and you. So Lord, help us. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, now we're going to put on a little bit of music, and we're going to have some time. Um, we have our little communion set up over here. We're still doing the old pods of, of communion just for the sake of stuff. And, um, and when the music plays, you can grab one of these, the, the the grape juice represents the blood of Christ that is truly poured out for us that we can even have a community that looks like the one we talked about today. And the little wafer on top, you can unpeel it. It's a tasteless little wafer, but it represents the body of Christ given for us. Jesus did not just give us instructions about, hey, y'all should be devoted to one another. He actually went first. And that's what we celebrate at the table. And you are all welcome to do that um, when the music plays. And that's our close.